Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Man, I'm riding high off of this past weekend. Uh, the Patreon deer camp was a tremendous success. Uh, yeah, some guys killed some deer. Congratulations, Tim Clark, on a beautiful Michigan public land eight point. And uh, the only out-of-stater, uh, Jason, he shot a spike. Uh, thought it was a doe off the ground. Um, perfectly legal, uh, but just super cool uh, experience. And then uh, the other podcasters that were there, Joe Davis, Generations to Hunt podcast was killing doe family groups. And uh, Josh Mapes from Overdrive Outdoors, uh, guest on the show, great dude. Uh, kind of opened the floodgates with a with a doe on Saturday night. What a great time! Um, I know there were some guys that were planning on coming up and couldn't make it, and um, some some guys who are wishing they would have came. Um, just it was an incredible deer camp. We're gonna do a podcast, uh, John, Frank, Ernie, and I next week. So next week's podcast will go into all the details. This week's podcast was with um, the Zinger Fletching guys and the Zinger guys. I mean, you'll hear about it in the podcast. Uh, hopefully, you'll get the the same uh, feeling that that we do. Um, but these guys just come through for us every time. They're just great dudes. They sent up a whole bunch of stuff uh, for us to give away swag and, and zingers and, you know, they, they support us in, in everything that we do. Um, and I just got to get a, a big shout out to them and this, this podcast, you know, we got John on here um, and kind of to give his thoughts on, on the zingers, like from their inception to, to where they're at now. I can't, honestly, I can't believe we haven't had these guys on the podcast uh, previously, but um, in the 
Tim's buck was killed with a with a zinger arrow. I mean, super cool. Um, just a, a a great great camp. So um, for you guys that are Patreons, um, we're planning on doing it this year. We're working through the logistics to see um, how we can keep the same feel and uh, keep it going but to do that you gotta be a patreon you know this is we keep saying we do everything that we can to give back um to those that support the show and this was just one one thing that kind of really turned out um the way that we were we were hoping um so like i say patreon's a, a crowdfunding for creators and um you know it's a small donation every month that that helps us continue to do what we do but man um the the caliber of people that were up at the camp and and the learning that went on all that stuff was just just great so you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash born chronicles podcast or um you can just go to our website born chronicles podcast.com you know we've got links to everything you can you can click on it and check it out and you know got to give a shout out to the latest patreons uh zach rao up in gaylord and then uh, our buddy um Aaron Ritter's buddy Jeremy Cabaretta. We got to have him on the podcast. We've been we've been going back and forth. Um, I got him on my board here uh, to talk to, but he's out of uh, New York. Great dude. So thank you guys for uh, supporting the show. And uh, we do quarterly giveaways uh, for that. And so October sixteenth, this Sunday, um, we'll go live on Instagram and we'll announce those uh, giveaway winners. We're giving away a full Latitude saddle kit. Um, I've got that here. Huntworth is giving away uh, their Holton setup. Um, as we're getting into right now, currently in Michigan, it's rainy and uh, windy, and uh, that that suit has that Sherpa lining in it, DWR coated, super warm, super windproof. Um, so they're giving away one of those, probably one of my favorite setups um, for cold weather uh, to this point. Um, Spartan Forge, you know, Spartan Forge is. Um, artificial intelligence for the deer woods and uh, has predictive deer uh, software but now they're giving away free mapping to everybody you can check that out at spartanforge.ai and if you want all the add-ons and all the other things uh, that is available through that you can go online to that website and you can use code bowhunter to save uh, 25% but they give away a year's uh, subscription, Lucky Buck. They give away some of their Lucky Buck or uh, some seed if you can't use mineral in your area. And, um, yeah, I mean, just great, great stuff. We try and give back uh, as much as we can. This this quarter, um, I got to get with Huntworth and see what uh, what we can come up with for them to give away. Um, and this, this quarter, we're going to get back into giving away a bow. So we'll figure out uh, what we're what we're thinking as far as giving stuff away, um, as a bow package. And, uh, one of our other, uh, sponsors, adjustable red dot, those guys, uh, this past weekend, uh, Tim's son shot a, a nice eight point up there on their property near where we were hunting. Uh, we couldn't get together with him, but, uh, but yeah, they're, they're slaying them before they head to Kansas and that adjustable red dot site. Frank's got it back on his bow, ready to go. Um, for for this uh, upcoming season, and John's figuring mine out because he detuned the bow. Um, so uh, as soon as he gets that bow tuned up, I'll be I'll be shooting that one here in, in Michigan as well. So we'll make sure we get one of those put on the the giveaway bow uh, coming up. We'll we'll get that taken care of. But uh, 
this podcast again, like I say, with the Zinger guys is great. There's a lot of hunting talk. There's a lot of, um, you know, talk about the deer camp aspect and that kind of will lead into, uh, next week's podcast for the Patreon hunt. But, um, as always, we just thank everybody who listens to the podcast, supports us, uh, you know, tell somebody else about the podcast. Uh, it's amazing to see, uh, how far this has come in this past weekend was, uh, an incredible testament to that. So, um, you know, tell your buddies about the podcast and all as always, thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And I'm, have we had these guys on before? Not that, no. I, yeah, I don't think so. I know I had them on the Vitals Live and I've talked to them in person 7,000 times. Um, and I always text Steve and I say, where's my Pappy Van Winkle? Um, but we've got the guys from uh, Zinger Fletchings uh, on today. And I was going to say the other thing that I always say, but I'm not going to because Brian will get upset. And so, so they're nothing <laughs> like there's other no cursing, right? There's nothing like other products that slide on the back of your arrow. Um, these are nothing like that. They're, these are 3d printed fletchings. I talk about them on every intro and, uh, you know, I like them and I think John has at least seen the value in them. But yeah. uh, we'll get into a little bit that uh, about that. But uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Good. Good. So we got Brandon, Steve, and, and Brian. So. You know, it's getting closer to hunting season, so for Michigan at least. And, you know, that itch is it, – it's happening. <clears throat> well, Steve's already killed a one – how big is the deer you killed? Uh, measured him a few times. We are – we. <laughs> We're right at 150 and an eighth. So okay. for an eight point. So he's a, he's a solid eight point. He is a solid eight point. <laughs> so, so let, before we get into all the, the, the details of the products and stuff, let's hear about this hunt. I mean, you must have, we were joking around the, at the beginning, you, you guys always kill these big deer. You take pictures in front of this. It's got to be this high fence ranch where you guys pay the money to go in there. <laughs> and we were talking about whether, you know, you took the ear tag out before or after the photos. So give us a little bit of an idea of like how you had this deer, you know, how much it cost, all the, that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the cost is $163 for the over the counter tag out of state <laughs> license. Um, no, we have a we have a family farm in Wisconsin, so that's where my uh, my mom grew up. Uh, it's my grandpa's farm, so now it's split between the three kids. So my mom and her brother and sister. Um, it's a two hundred acre farm. Uh, we've got split up. We've got a lot of a lot of pines on there. Probably twenty five year old pines growing up. So deer like to deer like to hang out in that. We've uh, Brian and Dad have planted a lot of uh, food plots in there. So we've uh we've done a lot of steps to to really keep the deer there um the the spot i was hunting was over a bean field which was the only bean field within a few hundred yards so i mean there really wasn't really wasn't any other beans close so they were really hitting them hard um we uh, i had a lot of or i guess we all had a lot of history with this deer I passed him last year. 
Um, he was he was a dang good. I don't even know how many points he had, but he had he had a mess coming out of his one side on the inside side of his left side, and uh, or yeah, I think it was his left or right. Um, but we called him we called him six pack because he had six on one side, um, and about right be, right before season he broke that whole side off the whole front of his rack broke off right at where all that junk came out. So we pretty much deemed him unshootable, which for my mom was a, uh, <laughs> was a no, no. She's like, I I'll shoot him if he comes in front of me, which I will give my mom credit. She, she passed this deer twice at 15 yards because we told her not to shoot him. <laughs> well, tell her, tell him what, tell him, what she ended up shooting. And luckily she did because she did end up shooting a, I rough scored it, which I'm, it's a, it's a non-typical, which I don't know how to score those that well. I rough scored them at like 166. I, how many, how many scorable points did he have? Was it 18? Something like that. It was, it was a very unique deer. Um, a lot of character, a lot of points coming off here and there, and a lot of mass. Really carried the mass well, and just looked like a like a swamp creature, <laughs> just a unique um, overall deer that anybody would be happy with, and happy that she was able to to, to put her tag around it. And so, continue, Steve. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. So she ended up tagging. Hundred sixty six. She's not too upset about passing it, but she still lets me uh lets me know that hey, you're the reason that that deer's still living. So, um, but no, uh, I passed him. He was at thirty yards for me. Came came out out of the pines and chasing a doe. Stopped in the in one of our food plots. Stood there for a minute and I watched him. I saw his good side and they turned and looked down towards me and I'm like, oh crap. I was like, that's one I can't shoot, <laughs> but <clears throat> looking back now, now I'm really glad that I did pass him. So he, uh, he definitely added, added a lot more mass this year. Um, just a mainframe eight. I can grab him. Obviously I'll show him. <laughs> so, yeah, he, uh, I want to say, what were they, Brian? 12? 13 inch 11 and a half 12 and a quarter yeah each side was pretty much spot on like 11 and a half 12 and a quarter so very symmetrical um he you know if anything he was only off on each time by by a couple eights um but yeah he uh he was he was what we uh we would call a frequent flyer on our cameras he was very visible towards the end of last season he was everywhere he was breeding every single doe he could um towards the end of the season we went we went back for a late season uh gun hunt um so my dad had his muzzle loader and he was he was trying to get a doe for for one of our uh family friends um so what we were doing was just we were going to push this set of pines to push some dough out to him and we were just going to shoot a dough well i walked to the back side 
started pushing up towards him. And when I got in there, all I see is legs just running through this, through this pine woods. And (laughs) I squat down and I'm looking and it's just all legs. And I'm like, Holy cow, there's a lot of deer in here. So I start, I start trying to circle them towards, towards my dad that's sitting up in this, uh, in this box blind and I'm running through this pine woods full, full speed, trying to, trying to cut them off to try to force them to his way. And, uh, these, these doe are just circling me They're Cause it's, it's a decent sized little pine woods. Um, so they're circling me. So I'm trying to stop. I turn around, I run the other way. And then I see this guy six pack. Um, and he is the only buck I saw with probably 20 plus doe in this pines. And he would not leave that. He would not leave that pines. He just circled me, ended up my dad shooting a doe, but he never, he never saw that one pop out, but yeah, he just circled around me. Um, so that was, that's how we ended last season with him there. And when he showed up on our cameras this year, uh, we have a few sale, had a few sale cam cams out there and, uh, he showed up and noticed that he had gained a few inches on his tines and uh, quite a bit more mass. So we were pretty pleased that he was going to be one of the. Well, we had two. We have two that we were we were after that one and then another one we call we call splits. Um, he's got split brows, but that one's going to score a decent amount better than this the one I shot. Um, but anyways, I I decided. After Brian was there the night before he came up Friday night, he was able to take a ride, uh, checking the bean field to see what was out there the night before opening, opening day. And he said, Hey, I saw splits out there with another wide, wide eight, wide eight or nine point. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Um, so we, Brian and I devised a plan for Saturday morning based on the wind and everything he was going to hunt one section of the farm i was going to hunt the back side his wind was going to probably push deer to me and when i walked back there i could possibly push him up to him that didn't work out we didn't see a single deer <laughs> um so come evening uh we were or afternoon we were sitting around the house just kind of figuring out where everybody was going to hunt and you know, nobody claimed that bean field. So I said, well, where's everyone hunting? Uh, and they were going to go hunt this other 40, 40 acre section that we have this landlocked a uh, couple miles away. And they're like, we're going to just go hunt that. You know, everybody's pretty much just trying to doe hunt that we, we go up there early season just to shoot some doe out of, out of the herd and, you know, get some meat. I am completely out of doe meat or uh, venison. I have a couple back straps left no ground. So I'm like, you know, I need to, I need to refill the refill the stock. Um, so I go, all right, Brian, I'm Brian had a bolt set, which he just has a couple screw in bolts. You go up, it's probably, I don't know, 16, 18 foot up in a big row of white pines that we have right on the edge of the bean field. So I'm like, I'm going to go hunt that Brian, dad, and mom went to the 40 is what we call the 40 acre lot that we have. So I'm sitting there in this bean field and out pops some dough. They come straight to my downwind. They blow, they leave. I'm like, oh gosh, I hope that's not how this night's going to go. 
So out of this section of woods that Brian was hunting in the morning, out come these five bucks and six pack was one of them. And he starts working along. He's probably 180 at the time and watching him for, I watched that deer for probably 20 minutes. Car comes, stops. He's only 60 yards from the road. I mean, you see that deer stand in the field. Obviously you're going to stop and take a gander at him. Well, when that car stopped, that field cleared. They all ran to the ran to the far side of the field into the another set of pines we have. And I'm like, well, he ain't coming back. Well, 20 minutes later, he pops back out with another 10 doe. So those five bucks come out, 10 doe. And they stood out there feeding for another 40 minutes at 180 yards. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is cool and all. <laughs> I, I thought it was just a great hunt to watch them all out there. I had some great video of him standing on the on the crest. You know, he's looking around. Um, just beautiful deer. And uh, yeah, I had probably five or so doe come out four different times, blow at me right to my downwind. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. You know, there's no way this guy's going to come over here. Well, sitting long enough, it's get it's starting to starting to turn, you know, sunset and starting to turn twilight, whatever. And he starts working towards me and I'm like, this ain't going to happen. Like it, it's just, he's moving so slow, so slow. He's out there. He's fighting with this, with this other nine point for probably half an hour. They fight, they rack, rack up they're they're pushing each other around this nine points pushing pushing the deer i shot pushing them around pretty dang good you know almost flipping them on his back and it got to the point where i'm like ah man do i do i shoot one of these doe that are that are within 30 yards of me or do i just hold out and i'm like man i i i i thought so many times like I should probably just shoot one of these deer and then kind of clear the field so I can get down and get out of there. Cause he's not going to make, he's not going to close the distance. Well, I'm glad I didn't because he just kept coming a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And he got to about 50 yards and I'm like, this actually might happen. And that nine point that he was fighting with all night ended up coming and I'm ranging him. He's at 30 yards. And I'm like, if this dude gets to 30 yards, I'm going to take that shot. Well, he's coming directly to me and <clears throat> he starts to make it, it turn to, to towards my right, which is going to be my downwind. And I'm like, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. If there's anything, please do not do that. He gets, he starts turning right. And I'm like, well, crap, he's going to win me. And I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Then he turns to go to my left. And I'm like, is this really going to happen? So he turns and follows that nine point and I range a spot on the ground and I'm like, all right, if he gets to that spot, I'm shooting. You know, I turn my dial back. I got a HHA single pin uh, adjustable and rolled that to 30. And I said, if he goes to there, I'm taking him. So he turns, comes right to 30. I draw back <clears throat> and put it on him and I come down and I go back up. And then I come down and I go back up and I'm trying to stay on him. And I had watched him for so long. Like most of the time I'm sitting there doing one of these, you know, when, <laughs> when a big buck comes in and I've, I've never had a big buck like this come in that close. 
Um, so I figured I'd shake a lot more than I did, but I think I watched him for so long that the nerves just, they were gone and it was just down to business. So I settled in on him and squeezed it off and he ducked it and <laughs> I hit, a, I hit, a, I hit him a touch high. He dropped. So I, and I, and he's trying to get up his back end won't come up. And I'm like, crap. I was like, but also I was like, he's down. Like I spined him and I felt horrible about it. And I'm trying, I put another arrow on, I draw back and he's, he's, he's looking right at me, like on the ground, crawling right to me. And I'm like, I can't take a shot. I, all I have is his face. So I'm like, oh crap, take the arrow off, put it back in the quiver, grab my bag, grab the tie rope, lower my bow, climb down, um, get an arrow off, kind of circle down and around him and get within about 10 yards. And I get a second shot on him. And about 15 seconds later, that was, uh, that was it. I, when I shot that second shot, I, I was in disbelief that it had just happened that I just shot the biggest deer in my life. So I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even stand up. You know, it's like, I sat down and it was like, I don't get, I don't get very emotional, but that deer, the history that we've had with him, I, I sat there, I sat on the ground by myself in, in the middle of that bean field, just, I started tearing up, man. Like I, I was so emotional, so excited. I didn't, I didn't know how to process it. I was just, it was surreal looking at that deer laying there. And it took me, it took me five to 10 minutes before I even called my wife and, you know, they were, they were on their way back and, you know, I called her and I was like, Tia, I just, I just, I just shot six pack. And she's like, come on, seriously. And I'm like, I am dead serious. Like, this is not a joke. And she's like, wait, what? And I hear Brian in the background, let's go. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you could tell how excited he was. Um, and just, just getting to share that moment with, with my wife, Brian, uh, my dad, my mom, and they swung by the house, grabbed my two kids. You know, I, I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. They came out there. They had to wake my, wake my son up. And it was, it was, it was definitely surreal to, uh, to be able to experience that with, with, you know, family and, you know, your, your hunting partners. It was awesome. Yeah, that's a cool story, and you know we, you know, uh, I always give kind of people crap, like whatever, like you know, it's always the must be nice for these guys that have all this history with all these deer and all this stuff, because you know that's just not really the way that we hunt, you know. But that's a super cool story. I love the emotion of it, but I just can't help but think like I'm glad Brian was excited for you. But it's like you're like my dad and Brian planted these food plots. Brian set these bolts, you know. It's like you're just like riding his coattails, you know. Dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah. team effort, right? Like, most most of most of my hunting experience is, hey Brian, where do you think I should go tonight? Hey Brian, where where are you seeing the good deer at? You know, Brian's my uh undercover uh undercover agent pretty much to find the deer for me. And then he just he just sets me up in the right spot to uh to make make it happen. So with the history of that buck, you said last year he had a bunch of junk. Did you guys have pictures like did he must have damaged his rack and velvet or something or 
I mean, I mean, normally they have, if they have that junk, they, they carry it over, but yeah, I, I don't know what had happened. Um, like if you look at the rack, he's got like a, one of like the, the bot holes or whatever you call them. So if you look here, like he had broke, he had broke this whole section off. So like, well, I guess it would have been this whole section. He just had the one time coming up and in on the inside is where he had all his junk coming off. So there was like three or four extra points that came off the inside here. And I, I don't know. I don't know how he didn't get that back, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Usually, usually they get that back. So I don't know if like him breaking it clean off last year, if that changed things or if just age, I don't, I I don't know how it happened, but yeah, I kind of wish he had it all, but yeah. Still, that's, I mean, it's a pretty awesome story though, that you guys got to have all those interactions and then, and end up killing him. Well, I can feel uh, like the same way I was trying to like think through it, like the, the getting excited part, there's like a couple of things and I, you know, our podcast, we talk to a lot of like new hunters or guys that are trying to like, you know, haven't killed a lot of deer, haven't killed a lot of big bucks or, or any of that. And that's one thing that's hard to like articulate is there's sometimes when the deer comes in and it's so fast that you don't even get a chance to do that. And I feel like you had the exact opposite where the deer was out there for so long, you know, if he'd have probably taken five minutes to come in, you'd have been shaking like a leaf, but you had enough time to be like the car scared him away and all this stuff. And now he's back. And I think, you know, just as a aside for like guys that haven't had deer around them that much, like those does that you had inside a bow range, you know, probably calmed any of those nerves. Cause I know if the only deer that's in there is a doe and I'm doe hunting and I think that she's, you know, on alert or going to wind me or something like I get a similar amount of buck fever. Like as soon as I know I'm going to kill him, like it needs to be either be really quick or, you know, like you said, like you have all day to make the decision. Yeah. And I, I think, I think you're right on that. Like, Anytime, anytime I make that decision, like it doesn't matter the size of the deer. Once I, in my head, usually if I'm like, I'm going to take this deer, that's when it, everything changes and and you get that whole oh, crap, like, you know, the shaking and, but yeah, with, I, I had almost shot three different doe that, that night because I was like, you know, I'm just going to shoot one of these doe, clear the field, get out of here. Um, he's not going to know any different. He's just going to know the deer ran off and you know, whatever, but the whole night it was, this is not going to happen. Like he's not going to clear, he's not going to come this way. And if he does, it's not going to be within bow range. He's going to, he's going to come, he's going to skirt and just scoot on by. But yeah, when he made that turn to go, go to the left, my left, I was like, this might happen. And, and I don't know why I didn't shake. I don't, and it had to be just cause I watched him all night and just was still in the, in the thought of, this isn't going to happen. And then when it did, once it, once it actually happened, that's when all the emotions just kind of, you know, rained down on me. And it was, it was, it was, it was surreal. Well, and it, it's funny just like listening to you say that and like 
you know, Dan Infault's like, well, if you don't think it's going to happen, like you're in the wrong spot or you need to get down and move. And you're up there watching this deer going, it's not going to happen, not going to happen, not going to happen. <laughs> like, like nowhere I can go, though. You know, he's, right. he's in the middle of a bean field. It's not like I can get down and make a move on him. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's either he's going to come or he's not. And being early season, I, you know, there's a lot of season left. So if it didn't happen, you know, there's a lot of season to make it happen. And when he got to that 30, I'm like, I, I have to take this shot because I mean, a cat, a deer of that caliber, like you, you just don't get them in bow range that often. And when you do, you have to capitalize. And I was, uh, definitely lucky enough to capitalize. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I mean, I don't know. Uh, You're right. A deer that caliber it's hard to get him in bow range, but I was thinking like two, you're like, that's early season. We passed this deer 50 times last year. So, you know, <laughs> somebody will get cracked. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, and it was one, he's one of those deer that we had on camera so many times. So he, what he lived there, like he lived on our farm. Like he, he, he bred a lot of the dough. So hopefully a lot of his, uh, genetics are in there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it is definitely still like still trying to comprehend everything. Just, I still just tell my wife, I was like, Hey, did you see that, see that deer I shot? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. He came, he came driving to my house, uh, the day after <clears throat> he's like, check out what I was driving around all day, <laughs> pulls it out. And he's like, Hey, you want to talk about this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course. So we cracked a beer and had another moment. Cause that, that's what it's all about. You know, that camaraderie and, you know, like you, like Steve was saying um, just a little bit ago, when when he made the call, both Teresa and I, I mean, we're like, nah, he's he's joking with us. He's razzing us. But when we could tell, like Teresa could tell with his voice that he was serious. I mean, just that camaraderie, that camp type feeling, like, you know, just being a part of it is, is what it's all about. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so <clears throat> the way that we hunt, like in a lot of this, like public land, like go way back type crap is very like solo and i've been talking about that a lot lately we're doing this patreon hunt but like when we were in ohio that was like you know we'd go down there we'd be waiting back and the truck would pull in and then it was like freaking it was like a meme or like from a bad movie like crushing beers like spraying like like, yeah oh my god you know everybody's looking at the deer like it didn't matter who shot it it was just drinking 130 (laughs) beers in one night (laughs) Uh, true story <laughs> that's no bullshit oh, <laughs> yeah like, woke up in the morning i was like the only one like i went to bed early and we had all bought like 30 packs get up in the morning like holy shit there's no beer left like <laughs> what <to> do <laughs> like, what the hell well, like John was getting up to hunt the next day and like everybody else was just like everywhere. Like he's like, I'm going to bed. I'm going to hunt. And like everybody else was like, yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. And I was like, I don't have a tag, so I'm not going to hunt. You guys are in the hot tub and everything. <laughs> when we left that, like it was, I don't even know if it was Airbnb. It was just a cabin, but like there was like five full-size garbage bags of just beer cans, like on the porch. Like that was, it was cause I shot one. Yeah, and then Dan shot one the next day or something. Yep. Yeah, so we killed almost 300 inches of deer in 12 hours or something. So we were like, we'll have a beer for every inch. <laughs> <laughs> that was for sure. That's the way to do it. <laughs> Heck yeah. 
<laughs> so, but yeah, that, that camaraderie is, is something I feel like, you know, social media does a poor job of like articulating. They, they think it's all about, you know, just killing big deer or, you know, public land or kayaks or trad or, you know, whatever, like whatever's cool today or the newest thing. Um, in the, the camp aspect of it is, is something that's, you know, needs to be revitalized, I think, you know, for sure. Yeah, I think. And, and that's one part that I love about it is being able to go hunt with a, with a group of guys, whether, whether it's people that you know really well or don't know that well, um, just being able to even, even learn something just every time you go hunt, you know, I, I went with, uh, couple of the guys from the bow hunting league i went down there for the early season hunt and i I would even go to hunt i just wanted to go film some guys so i got with ben harrison i was like hey man i just want to come down and just film some guys and he's like yeah he's come on down you know um because i i hadn't i hadn't ever put my hands on a velvet velvet deer you know the fresh shot or whatever you know obviously i've been to deer park we live uh (laughs) 20 minutes from uh from the dells so they have that little deer park there so you get to go pet the deer or whatever (laughs) um and envision yourself shooting every single one of them (laughs) um but yeah just getting to go there and just see you know guys and how they how they go about their hunts and how how they uh handle themselves in camp and just picking up on the little things that they do because i I mean, you guys know the the bow hunting league. There's some there's some true killers in there, and a lot of a lot of the guys don't want they don't they they're they're like loners. They don't they don't they hunt by themselves. They do everything by themselves, and and if you can pick a little bit of stuff up up from from anybody you go out with, you know you can uh, you can definitely learn a lot. And that's that's what I really want to do is just kind of learn from learn from all these killers because I'm by far from from a killer. Why do you um, think we started the podcast? I mean, I think Ernie shot the eight point that same year too. Yeah. Out of that same spot off yeah. the bench. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're bench. But yeah. Yeah. So the bow hunting league guys, like we had him on the podcast and talked with him, but like meeting Ben Harrison in person, like he's probably the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I talked to the guy for, four hours or something like just carrying on a conversation, just hanging out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Two down to earth dude. And, uh, just loves hunting, just loves hunting, loves deer, loves, loves everything about it. So. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the the bow hunting league there. I wanted to talk about that anyways. That's not something I told you guys about or whatever, but you guys are pretty involved in that with sponsoring that and everything. So what's your, your involvement with it? So we are a, uh, we are one of their main four sponsors for the league. Um, any, any, or I guess the biggest buck in every state, we, uh, will win a pack of zingers. Um, we, uh, we've seen that's, we've gained a lot of, a lot of success from the bow hunting league. Um, and thanks to, you know, Ben and Ben and all his guys, Matt and, DA, you know, they're all, they all, uh, definitely help zingers. Uh, they've helped in the growth of zingers. Um, it just, 
you know, zingers are one of those, one of those things that help, help the ease of hunting. You know, not everybody knows how to fletch. Not everybody, not everybody wants to fletch. Not everybody can fletch and zingers definitely. Yeah. Adam, um, zinger zingers definitely help with the, with the ease of being able to get you to the woods faster. So Brian, since we haven't talked about this yet and we uh, looks like we haven't had you on the podcast, which I feel like we have, or we've talked about it for a long time. Can you tell us how you stole these kids idea and <laughs> marketed it? As- <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you know, they, they follow us. So hopefully they'll listen to this. Then they'll be like, Hey, you guys, you guys, we got to make a deal here. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I teach, uh, I teach a high school engineering class and um, every year we do kind of a, a big project where the students have to use the engineering design process and document their findings. So basically they're identifying a problem and they're coming up with a solution to that problem. <clears throat> and there was a group of guys that just couldn't figure out a darn topic because it's a, it's a, it's a wide open, you know, they, kids can do anything from, I mean, creating pop can solar heaters, um, I, you know, rebuilding, you know, vehicles, 69 Camaros. I mean, it, it can be anything. And some of the projects these kiddos come up with are just, it, it's astonishing. It's awesome to see their creativity. Well, anyway, this group of guys were like, man, we can't fight, figure anything out. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm brainstorming with them. And basically my job is to facilitate, you know, I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I'm like, all right, you like to hunt. You like to hunt. You guys both like to bow hunt. I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do you guys are going to come up with some sort of arrow fletch. Like, what do you mean? And so I had previously shot another type of arrow fletch that um, goes on the back of an arrow and is held on by a knock. And I, you know, I, I went home the the next day, got it out, brought, brought it home, brought it to their, um, their class and, and showed it to them. And they're like, what on earth are these? So they got to look at it. And we looked at some normal fletching. So I brought in an arrow with obviously without any points, any broadheads, anything like that. Um, got permission from our administration and laid them out on the table and said, all right, figure out something else that can do the same job. And they're like, they're looking at it like, all right. So they got excited about it and then went to work. And, you know, this company that, um, that, uh, that I had the prior fletch from, uh, I contacted them. Um, cause I wanted to make sure that, you know, these kids had an idea with, uh, with patent information and, um, they could look at some of the, uh, different types of features that this patent had. Cause in that class, I'm also teaching about, Hey, if you have a product, here's a, here's a process that you can, that you can go through and potentially, you know, patent a product, an idea, um, or a use and eventually maybe market it someday. And so they were working on this thing. And th- the cool thing about that project was they actually did um, more an- analysis in their physics class. So they were doing some physics tests and, you know, calculating, you know, different, uh, different types of flight patterns. And, you know, is, is it slowing down the farther down range, all that, all that stuff, spin tests. And uh, so they developed this product <clears throat> and it was, it was different enough from the existing product to where I was like, okay, you have a good new product now, um, now present it. So they presented it and, you know, and at the time we used a, uh, 3d printer. And so the, the kids 3d printed this, this item obviously did their testing. And, you know, I talked to them about it a little bit and, 
around that time, at the conclusion of that product project, uh, I had some other kids working on, um, they were developing like the soles of a shoe, like to improve the grippiness um, and the durability of it. And they're like, Mr. Terry, we need this, you know, this, this type of filament that's really flexible. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, guys, that's, that's expensive stuff. And they ta- eventually talked me into it. So I got this filament and it, I, I actually opened it up in the class that the, the Fletch uh, group was in. And I'm, so I'm, I'm looking at their pro- project and I open up this filament because I'd never felt um, flexible filament before. And as soon as I open that stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's supple, it's stretchy. And the light bulb just went off. And so I talked to the guys and I'm like, what if we did something with this? And they're like, oh, we're done with our project. They said, we got, we got our grade. We're good. Um, they had been finished with their physics project as well. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take this further. So I, uh, I kind of took some of their design aspirations and, and made it my own downsized it a little bit, changed some, changed some features. And if, if you guys have followed Zinger Fletches for a while, you'll know that we came out with a, a cylindrical kind of airfoil design, um, which did a fantastic job um, uh, at uh, stabilizing an arrow and being super lightweight. However, it was super noisy. It was very different looking um, to the point where it was almost uh, what, what the heck is that used for? And so anyway, first time I brought it home, printed it out with this flexible filament and install it on my arrow, jump out to the archery range behind the house. And I was scared at first. I was like, I, I've never shot something, you know, quite this different. Um, even though with my experience with the prior Fletch, um, with the company that we had to contact. And so I shot it and I'm like, Oh, that actually went where I was, where I was wanting it to go. So right away, I got on the phone with uh, Stevie and told him, and he's like, Hey, print me some. So I printed him some, gave them to him and we were, we were testing and we were getting great results. They were just loud. Um, <clears throat> then we got in contact with Brandon and, uh, we're like, what should we do? So we actually started, we're like, Hey, let's just see what it's like, what, what the market's like. And we, we, we posted a couple of posts and on, in Facebook and, you know, the different groups that we're in and, you know, we had some guys bite and they're like, Hey, we want, we want to try these things. So we sold a few, um, a handful, a dozen, and the feedback was really good. Noise was the, was the concern. And so Brandon and Steve are looking at this thing. They're like, man, that thing looks way too different. And they're like, why don't we just make it a little bit more traditional? So we got rid of the airfoil. So the cylindrical design around, um, around the, the original zinger. And so, I mean, obviously you guys know what it looks like now. Um, and so we started shooting that and we had the same results. However, it was much quieter. All right. Um, but not quite enough. And that was due to the square back kind of, um, I don't know. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't filleted on the, on the end of the fletch. So it was square backed. We got good stabilization, but it was still noisier than your average fletch, like a blazer, fusion veins, et cetera. And so we, we marketed that version with the feedback we got, we kind of did some modifications and we were, we were t- trying stuff. We're, we're changing a bunch of, you know, different designs and angles and fillets. And well, eventually we ended up um, rounding it off and we were getting really good test results with decibels and, you know, comparative, to you know your standard fletches and in some cases even quieter depending on the uh, degree offset so that's kind of how we we settled on our current zinger model is just basically through uh our customer feedback we 
if you're in tune with your customers, you're going to have a successful product pretty much with whatever you sell. And we're never, we're never against modifying or coming up with new ideas if it makes sense, um, both business and performance wise. Um, and to this, to this day, we've had really good success and results with our 2.0 Zinger model. Um, but as Adam knows that we are always testing new things and we do have a 3.0 model that we're, we're in the testing phases with. Um, and we, we've probably given and, and dished out probably, uh, oh, probably 10 dozen or so 12 dozen out to different guys here and there, and they're testing them. And the, the drawback, one thing that makes zingers unique is the, how lightweight they are. And in terms of aero flight or any projectile flight, um, rock model rockets, et cetera, um, the benefits of having lightweight on the end of your arrow away from the point, it's going to increase your center of pressure. Um, and if you listen to, um, ranch ferry, um, whether, whether you, uh, you're turned off by them, you like them, you're, you're, you're a ranch ferry guy. Um, there's a, a really smart man he hangs out with, um, Daryl Barnett. And he actually reached out to, to us. And I got a few opportunities to talk to him on his, on the phone, um, kind of, going to pick his brain a little bit. And, uh, he actually shoots zingers, um, out of his, uh, air gun. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, the feedback from him was really good. Obviously be him being, a uh, a, a previous NASA guy engineer. Um, so that was, that was like a, a moment where it was like, man, you have this really smart guy that's been in the industry in the industry that we're with flying projectiles saying, Hey, your product is really cool. That was the moment that I was like, man, we might have something here. Um, so uh, here we are today. Uh, it's kind of, it's very humbling. Um, it's really neat to see, I, like, as you, as you heard earlier, when, when Steve had that success, I got j- probably just as excited as he did. Um, and every picture that we get sent to us, he's like, no, every picture we success picture we get, whether it's an animal, whether it's a, a 3d tournament. Um, it's just one of those things like, man, we had a part in that hunter's memories, that target archer's success. Um, it's just, it's a cool feeling when we weren't motive, we were not motive, motivated by, um, obviously fame or fortune. Um, it was more or less like, let's just create something that's useful. That's cool that we want to use just cause it's different and it's turned into something pretty neat. So what's funny is the first set of zingers that adam shot i called them singers because they were so loud (laughs) um so what is your i mean obviously you're doing testing but like what was the uh decibel on the first one and to the the second version what's the have you had it so when we did when we did our decibel test um we basically got a decibel meter um put it down range and there's so many variables that come into play there because if you're if you're an inch off in, in your aero flight away from that decibel meter, you're going to get a reading that's not as accurate as the, maybe the shot before. So, and, and you can watch videos with guys that are doing decibel readings and you're in, and literally have a, a mic nearby. I, I would almost say listening to a mic is more accurate than um, listening or looking at a decibel reader when it comes to that with, with what we have access to. Now there, there's obviously some machinery out there that would definitely benefit us in that scenario. Um, but at this point we're not there yet. Um, and I would, when we did our testing, I, I shot them side by side 
And the 2.0 model was about six decibels less than our 1.0 model, which is, which is, if you're looking at decibels, pretty, pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also had some guys on YouTube that have, you know, have reached out, Hey, we want to shoot your fletching. We want to do a noise test. So we got guys out there that are shooting our fletches next to, you know, the QT, any fletch on the market. And, you know, you can listen and you can sometimes with the human ear, you can tell a difference. Um, the other aspect is that a lot of people don't think about is the offset or helical orientation of the fletch. Um, and typically the more, the greater the offset or helical, you're going to get more resistance. So you're going to hear that. Right. Um, and the greater the offset, typically the surface area as well, you're going to have more stabilization. So it's almost like you got to find that perfect combination of surface area with the, or with the uh, offset or helical. And I, I think we're close, um, with what we have. It's, it's working for a lot of people. I got, it's cool. Cause like today we just, I got an Instagram message from a guy from, uh, oh gosh, where was he? Maybe Arizona. Um, shot a bowl at like 82 yards and he had a video with it. He was wearing a video. I don't know if it was a headset or a body cam, but it was so cool to watch this bowl. I mean, you could just barely see him at 82 yards with this little contraption he was wearing, but just to watch that arrow, just go across the Canyon and just leave its mark. And he had success picture. It's just cool. I, I love being a part of, you know, the success of, of a fellow hunter. So with the decibel testing, the noise factor, like we were talking about this. I don't know if we did it on a podcast or we, did it uh just talking together but like um you know kyle has those uh super stealth veins or whatever they're super sabers or something and there is a point where there's statistically significant and clinically significant in medicine right so like if it was you know that might be 600 percent quieter but to your ear to a deer's ear there has to be like a point where it's it doesn't matter anymore so are you going to spend you know thousands of dollars tens of thousands of dollars is it gonna is that going to sell more zingers or whatever you know what i'm saying yeah and right now we're basically going off of like some anecdotal evidence you know we're hearing from our customers and you know and we're and we're making some modifications here and there but when we're getting the success that we're getting, it's almost like that feedback mechanism, like, okay, let's keep doing what we're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Like, where do you draw the line? How much money do we want to invest in that type of, you know, scientific experiment? Um, and it, I'm one of those guys as well. And, and some of you guys might relate. If it works, be happy with it. But from an engineering standpoint, like my brain, it can always be improved. There's something that we can do and tinker and tweak. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it, and it's one of those things like I, I, you can probably tell with me talking, I have like ADD. I can't sit still. I got, I got my mind's always going. Um, so I think it fits my, my personality. Um, and you know, the funny, yeah. Anyway. So like my, my hang up with like, I mean, we have a conversation about sound and all, you know, like everyone's trying to get their bow quiet. Well, for one, you're never going to get a bow quiet enough because the sound, the speed of sound is what you're, you're never going to overcome that with an arrow. But what you do here, like 
like he said when he shot that buck, it ducked, right? 30 yards. Obviously, he was on edge or whatever. He had been fighting with that other buck. But 30 yards, he probably heard the bow, but also like my my thought pattern on those, like he's hearing that arrow coming at him. You know, he's going to hear that. You know, like the, a limb drops from a tree that's 30 yards away or a squirrel drops a nut, whatever. That happens all the time. But something coming at you, whistling or, you know, making some noise is going to be a reaction. So that's, I mean, like when I'm going through my, like when we had Kyle, Kyle's first podcast, when, his first podcast, he was like getting into building arrows and he was using the blazers, which I absolutely hate blazers. You know, they're you know, like everyone shoots them, but if you stand down range and you listen just with your, your ear, you can hear the difference. And then you hear like a max stealth and it's like 10 times quieter. So it's like that, that's where my hang up with loud fletchings or, you know, but that's why like when he first had the singers, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, then the new version is much quieter. Like, you know, and they fly great. Like when we go up to Tolar Two Challenge, we're shooting out to like 127 yards. I'm like, yeah, you're going to have fun with those. And he's just, you know, dropping them in. I'm like, okay, they're accurate. <laughs> and now they're yeah, quieter. No, so another cool yeah. thing about, yeah, the Toll Archer Challenge is awesome. And anybody that's listening, you guys got to jump into that. I mean, you got to try it. It is, it is a great time. Grab some buddies and just, you know, go camping for the weekend and, and hit the ranges. Um, it is an absolute blast. I remember the first time we did it, um, we didn't really know what to expect. You know, I would, we're, we're YouTube and, you know, Hey, how do you prepare for this? What, what should you take? And, you know, you, you almost just got to go do it to experience it. Make sure you got some, you know, comfy boots and you're, you're in decent shape. You can go up and down dunes or Hills. And, but yeah, the experience there has been awesome. And we had a booth there last year. And the nice placement was we were right at the range <laughs> and being at the range. I mean, to have a product like Zinger sitting out there with guys that are just absolute diehards. In fact, you'll talk to, you know, different guys that are in the podcast world or, you know, in, in the industry, supposedly, I guess, Michigan. Um, and I've heard this from a number of people. Um, Michigan has some diehard archers, um, absolute diehard guys, um, even compared to, you know, places like Pennsylvania um, and even out West, but we're at this, uh, this range and we, we were like, you know what, anybody that wants to try these, they can try them. So, you know, I remember the first guy comes up, he's like, Hey, I really want to try these. I've been watching them. I've been, you know, watching these YouTube videos. So we brought this little, uh, potato peeler, right. It was a little alligator potato peeler, um, to remove fletching, um, almost like, uh, as a joke kind of, um, but this guy, you know, we had it out sitting there and he's like, all right, I'll do it. So he starts peeling it and he's like, here, you do it. So I, I took his arrow off to, over to the garbage, peeled off his fletches, slapped it on a zinger. Um, and he goes down to the range and shoots five minutes later. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a dozen, <laughs> you know, that happened 12 to 15 times. I don't remember the exact number. Every single person that tried our product, the zinger, um, they end up coming back and, and purchasing. Um, it's one of those things where it's almost like you got to try. Cause when you look at it, I'll be honest from, you know, the engineering, you know, mindset, gosh, that thing's small. I, that is not, there is no way that's going to help stabilize an arrow. But when you actually give it to an archer, they try it and they're like, holy smokes. I mean, we had guys that were selling them for us 
you know, they try them and they get, they'd get their dozen and they'd go, you guys got to check this out. These things, I can't believe these are crazy. <laughs> um, and it was just a cool, another cool opportunity to kind of see, um, our, you know, a customer, a, a few, a, a, another fellow hunter, Archer, just get excited about something that we had, we had our hands on. Yeah. I'd actually, someone come up to us like at the. Yeah. Well, cause like they said, like I had the three point there. There's still one up in the tree out there. So if anybody <laughs> wants to see that at the top of one of the hills. Display model, right? Yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's out there. It was too high to get down. Well, that was the other funny thing. Like, so Adam rolls up there with a brand new box of raw shafts and like the second, the second course we shot, he tried the, our shot bow and he's literally like a foot left, like just lost almost all of his arrows. So he gets back. He's like, yeah, I got to fletch up some arrows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was not a big deal. And you know, and John, his group, you know, with his brother, they, they had done that with regular fletchings, you know, the first year we were up there and they're shooting them and the fletchings are flying off and all sorts of shit. It was just a, disaster but yeah so mine I, weren't flying off no my brothers and those guys, like. <laughs> but i had the the 3.0s and people are coming up looking in my backpack and they're going where'd you get those like what's up with them ones you know that didn't see any orange ones and like oh, those are different you know the actually the guy from the kafaru booth like i walked by and he stopped me and he's jody. like hey hey <laughs> it was jo- <laughs> yeah jody yeah he's like He's like, I need some of those. I'm like, yeah, well, you got to know somebody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, like, that Total Archer Challenge is super cool. And, like, to John's point, you know, they fly incredible. And, like, I, I didn't, I, I did shoot terribly on the one course this year with different bow. But it was, I think it was the year prior. I think it was last year when I was shooting just as well as you or, or pretty close. And, out to distance and he's like looking at me sideways like what's going on it wasn't that's not to say that you know the zingers made me do it but they didn't hinder my shooting no maybe they put me on target a little better (laughs) but but um but yeah so then we were down at the mobile hunters expo and uh steve was doing an excellent job and even was like showing me different stuff about uh running them with a wrap and not having them pop off. And like, you, they're like almost impossible to get off when you put them on with a wrap. And I'm like, Oh, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, he's saying, giving it to the biggest guy that while everybody that walks by, he's hitting him with air. Hey, take this off of there for me. Would you like, Hey, Hey, pull this off. I'll give you 10 bucks. If you can pull this off. <laughs> like, Nope, no, no takers. So yeah, it is, it is, it is crazy paired with a wrap. How, how well they stick. And, you know, a lot of people, I get messages all the time. It's like, Hey, if I want a more permanent fixture, I don't want these popping off. What do I do? Well, you know, you got a couple options. You could pair it with a wrap. You don't want to use a wrap. You don't want to add that extra weight to the back. You know, some guys are more worried about the FOC and, you know, getting that exact percentage that you're looking at, you know, simply add a couple dabs of glue like you would with your normal fletch, you know, get it set where you want it, shoot it a few times. You like where it's at add a couple dabs of glue. You don't want that. You could just do a strip, just a small little strip behind the zinger. That's going to, that's going to stop that zinger from, from popping off upon pass through. Now I, me personally, I like that feature. Um, 
so like Steve was explaining earlier with that buck coming in, um, I get amped up as well. I get excited. And in that moment, you know, everything's happening at once. You're trying to slow everything down. Um, sometimes that sometimes you have the ability to do that. Most of the time, uh, at least I don't. Uh, <laughs> so when you're in that moment, you make that shot and everything happens. He or she runs off. You're trying to track. You're, you're looking at that last tree where they went past. And then you're like, oh, crap, where were they? Right. You have a general idea. Um, so the nice thing about when they do slide off is I have a reference point now where I can look for blood. Okay. Um, now the drawback of that is you lose the product, right? And some of the guys are like, I don't want to lose that. So like Steve said, throw some dabs of glue. So it's one of those things where you don't need glue, but you can still use glue. You don't need a wrap, but you can still use a wrap if you wish. And then down there at the the expo, you guys had some arrows down there, and you're like, "Hey, what do you think of these? What do you think of these? Oh, these are coming!" So now you've you've entered into the uh, the arrow game, even if it's you know still maybe in the works or work in progress. So, um, what can you tell us about that side? And and to be honest with you, it, it's interesting because I feel like. Um, there's a lot of people, which I'm surprised that are like, now we're just going to start doing arrows. We're going to start doing arrows like that don't have anything to do with arrows other than they're in the hunting business. I think it's a logical step for you guys because, you know, there's there's guys who just would rather order a set of arrows. And that's one of the things I talked to Steve about when we were down there. I was like, I got a question for you. You know, what's the reason like, oh, these are so great. These are great for guys who don't like to fletch arrows. Like what, why wouldn't you just buy a fletched arrow? <laughs> like, so, you know, so now you can get a, 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 a custom arrow with zingers on them, but, but talk to us a little bit about the arrows and the process that went into that. There's a, there's a story of the why. So we're at these shows and or supplier, you kind of market a product that goes on an arrow. And we got these guys and gals coming by and they're like, well, we're thinking about making a switch. And, you know, I don't know what to go with yet because I want to go heavier. I have this heavier last year. I didn't like how slow it was. I want to go, you know, I want to go a little lighter. So, and they didn't have that, um, that product there. So we're talking on the way home from one of these shows and we're like, guys, you know, there's, should we, you know, should we reach out to another company and kind of carry their, their shafts? And, you know, we're, we're talking about this and, and we're like, no, we're like, why don't we, with, with, with our product, why don't we do some research, do some testing and find, you know, with our experience, what that, you know, that perfect balance of a good ethical hunting arrow is. And so we, we dabbled here and there and we came up with uh, um, two different models. And the way we came about that is we asked, we asked our, our people. And we asked, hey, what kind of arrow shaft are you guys looking for? What do you prefer? What do you prefer? Total arrow weight, you know, percent FOC. Um, are you, are, is it more used for target or 3D or hunting? And we just kind of did some market research there with, you know, uh, whether you're the guys that are following zingers, zinger slingers, um, as well as the bow hunting league. And so we did some talking and we uh, came up with a plan. So we kind of have two different models that um, satiate both. So we have a, a lighter weight model and we have a heavier weight model because it was literally split with our, with our research right down the middle. Half the guys want to go heavy 
half the guys want to stay light. Um, so we wanted to, we wanted to kind of, you know, fancy everybody's needs and kind of come up with, you know, the best of both worlds. So I know John had it when I was, he's like, oh yeah, they got arrows. I want to, I want to know. So fire away with your. No, I was just like, are they, uh, so the heavy wall micro diameter, I mean, like what, what are some of the specs on them? So that's another question we asked when we were kind of, you know, getting our feelers out there is what arrow diameter diameter does everybody kind of, you know, what, what do you like? And, the, and we asked them why. And the majority of people, again, it was more focused towards smaller diameter. Um, and while at the same time, a lot of people that hunt, they want to use, you know, lighted knocks. Okay. And, you know, you guys being in the hunting industry, you, you hunting for a while, a lot of the smaller diameter, the, the one, 0.166 arrows, um, lighted knocks, quality lighted knocks are hard to come by um, for that size. And so we're like, you know what, let's, let's go up a little bit. Um, and with our history, we've shot different shafts and we kind of had, you know, our, our likes and dislikes. And um, we kind of settled at the 204 um, because it's kind of a happy medium and it's, it's, it's going to meet most of our customers needs. Um, whether they want to light it knock or not, and whether or not they want to be kind of in the smaller diameter range. Cool. And then what's the, I was trying to explain to John when I was, when I'd seen him, like um, there's different processes for making carbon arrows, right? So there's like the ones that have the fibers where you can see them. I was saying like the dual wraps. Yeah. Carbon weaves. Yeah. And, yeah. And then they extruded and all the other things. So like, what do you guys have? And then what are you looking at for, you know, grains per inch and spines that you have available and straightness, all that sort of stuff. So our, our heavier models, our M1s, um, and the M is basically for momentum. Um, our M1s are going to be a little heavier. And I'll just give you an example for our 300 spine. I would say that's probably where most people fall. Um, but a 300 spine is going to come in at about 10.5 GPI, so grains per inch. And it's, our diameter is going to be about 272, okay, 0.272. So that's our momentum, our M1 arrow, and it's got a 3K carbon weave, okay? And carbon weave, what it really does, it kind of it helps. If, if you ever do have a, a shaft break, whether it's in an animal, um, whether you damaged it while you were 3D shooting, um, it's not going to splinter as much. And it gives the arrow a little bit more torsion strength as well. Um, our K1 or kinetic, so our K1 um, in our 300 spine is going to come in at about 8.5, 8.6. Um, it's like 8.56 uh, GPI. And uh, our OD on that one's going to be about like 0.262. Uh, so you can probably, I mean, our M1 is very similar build and makeup to that of um, probably one of the most uh, popular hunting arrows on the market, similar to the Eastern Axis. And our K1 is going to be very, very similar to that of, let's say, a Black Eagle Rampage. And then for your, uh, John knows more about the diameters and stuff. I just order arrows and the components and <laughs> whatever. You guys send me zingers, I put them together. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way that I go about it. But like for front end components, like, what is that composed of? All right, I'll keep going. <laughs> um, so we, uh, 
one of our one of our big pushes um, as a small American company is to try to keep it here. And w- one of the issues we had is we had to source our carbon um, from overseas. We made some contacts with some U.S. base. Um, obviously, us being a small company, we're, we weren't able to break through that barrier, that wall um, to get a deal made. Um, so we had to source for our, our carbon. Um, but our components uh, we have used in the past and have been very satisfied with ethics, our tree components. And we really like uh, uh, the way they function, the ease of installation, um, and obviously um, how... Um, how consistent their products are and our outsert system. So it's a collar and then we have a post. So our post for both models is going to be uh, composed of aluminum. And um, it's, it, it'd be easy to show you. It's hard to explain, but um, you can obviously go to their web website, but the, the, there's a post that goes mostly inside of the arrow and there's about an eighth of an inch that sticks outside of the arrow, eighth of an inch to a quarter of an inch. And that really creates some strength up front. It adds a little bit extra weight. Um, and we also utilize their collar system. And we chose to go with a, a stainless steel collar, which really gives the front end of the arrow a lot of strength as well as some added weight. Um, for those that want to build up, you know, their FOC or front of center. And obviously with our, with our style of fletch, it does have a, um, a smaller surface area. So the more FOC that we can get while staying within spine, um, the more, the, the better and uh, the better function our projectile has in flight due to the location of front of center and the center of pressure. So ethics archery, we, we, we've been very satisfied with, um, their components. And, uh, we look forward to kind of, um, maybe reaching out and doing some modifications. We'll, we'll, who knows what we'll come up with here in the near future. So, I mean, you're the arrow guy. I'm just, a- no, it all sounds good. I mean, you know, as long as they're not like the ethics, that was <laughs> the problem with the, the vector arrows, but I, I think they've got that straightened out anyway, but yeah, we heard, heard some horror stories good. with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we did some testing too, and you know how you've seen the videos of people shooting into cinder blocks and whatnot, right? Um, and I know it's not a deer, uh, but it's one of those, it's one of those talking points. It's one of those things that you can, you know, you can physically see the effect of. So we wanted something a little harder. So we were getting, um, um, bricks. So bricks are a lot more dense. Um, they're not as airy as a cinder block, which is going to accept, uh, an impact a lot easier. Um, so we were using bricks and we were shooting bricks with, uh, with both arrows and we were, we were breaking bricks with them. Nice. So where are you guys at with those? I know we talked a little bit before the podcast and you're like, yeah, we can talk about them. We're doing this, we're doing this, we're switching some things up or, or whatever. We're just in the testing phases right now. Okay. We're, we're sending things out, letting guys shoot them, letting guys test them, giving us feedback. Um, we don't want to jump into it. We don't want to get too crazy. We want to make sure we have the product figured out <clears throat> before we really release it. And I can imagine, I mean, I guess just from, from saying that and, and, you know, Brandon saying, you know, we don't want to jump into it or whatever. I, I would imagine 
and and I don't know for sure, but there may be like a lot more liability with an arrow versus a fletching. Like if these arrows start exploding in people's hands and stuff, you know. So how how have you guys like dealt with that? Because probably from a fletching side, not not too much concerned because it's just a component on some somebody else's product, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things uh, that we're going to do first off the the release, um, we're going to get our feedback from um, our field testers, and what we're what we're hoping to do um, is to make them available during the show season. So we'll have them at these shows for people that are looking. Um, and then uh, our goal is sometime in the spring to to basically be a kind of a one stop shop for your arrows custom. Um, so draw weight, you know, draw length and kind of pick whatever you want, the K1, M1, and it'll be a direct to consumer type type deal. Um, obviously, we're going to do uh, a bunch of how to videos, safety videos um, and basically just to ensure proper use. And we're going to emphasize every time you shoot an arrow, you know, flex it a little bit while you're waiting your turn. If you're shooting with a group of guys, just double check and, and, and just get in the habit of doing that because the last thing you want to do when you're, you're partaking in a, in a hobby like that is to, you know, send carbon through your hand. We've all seen those pictures and uh, those aren't pretty. Um, but yeah, safety obviously is a, a number one priority with pretty much any product that you're, we're going to want to use. All right. Uh, I mean, it kind of goes through everything. Uh, anything else you guys got on the, in the works? I mean, Brandon, you've been kind of quiet. What's, uh, what's on your radar for hunts this year? You know, I just print zingers. I sit in the garage and just print <laughs> zingers. That's what I do. <laughs> I work on printers and that's it. So uh, Brand, Brandon, Brandon may be quiet and kind of under the radar, but I, I will say this. Um, the, the reason that our current zinger model um, looks and feels the way it does with such fine lines. We've even had people think that they're, uh, they're injection molded. Um, the reason they're like that is because of that guy right there. He's, he's very particular and he's good. He's good at what he does. What do you do for your day job, Brandon? I'm a commercial HVAC service technician. Uh, he's, so we do he, a lot of big, a lot of school work, a lot of big coolers, freezers, boilers, stuff, but yeah, we got started with these printers and it was, I took it probably too far, but you know, that's where we are now is I would tear them down and figure out what made them click. And we bought some different components for it. And I rewired an entire printer without a diagram. I asked the company to send me something. No, nope, you just got to figure it out. So we did. <laughs> Brian made me some molds to mount the head. I mean, it, it got pretty elaborate, but we've, we've got the printers do a really good job now and yeah and, and the thing about it is with the material that we're using um you know a lot of there's 3d printers everywhere you know and a lot of guys you know they may attempt to you know make their own fletch and have some success um but with the trial and error and the you know the the modifications that we've done physically to our machines to allow them to print the the, the way they do um it, you're gonna be hard pressed to find a, a over-the-counter product that's going to do that for you so how many printers are you maintaining, Brandon? Uh, I run 10 at my location. And then and I, I have two on two on backup. So yeah, I got I got nine. Problems. So I mean, 
any, I mean, we can, if we wanted to burn them up, I mean, we could, we could process some zingers. Now for, for you listeners out there or you zinger slingers out there, it takes uh, a decent amount of time per zinger. Um, where was the last number at Brandon, uh, from, from your recollection? Uh, 15 minutes, 14 to 15 minutes of fletch per fletch. So when you think about that and, you know, yes, they're, you know, they're three fifty a piece. Um, but you got to think about this. It takes 15 minutes to make that product and we have a lifetime replacement guarantee. So if you damage it anyway, whether it's your fault or not, um, we will replace that. And I, as far as, as far as we know, we're the only fletching company that, that does that. Um, probably a terrible business model idea, but um, I I think it's important that, you know, we stand by what we produce and I, I, I think it's important um, and we need to be proud of that. And Steve, how many printers do you have? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, up. it's kind of like hunting spots. Like they're all you Brian's. Know, if we're going to add them <laughs> all up at one time, I would, I would put it somewhere around zero, but <laughs> You know, I keep telling them like, hey, guys, I'll take the printers. Like if you guys want to do the customer service uh-huh. and ain't nobody jumping on that. <laughs> so it's funny because like if, if if Steve's on vacation, um, Brandon usually kind of fills that void. And Brandon's like, there's no way I ever want to switch with you, Steve. <laughs> um, no, we, lo- we love our customers, but I mean, it, it is it is sometimes comical. Uh, some of the, some of the questions and, um, but you know, we're them, they're us, uh, we've been down that road before with different products. So, so we get it, but yeah, I I tip my hat to Steve. Yeah. It's one of those things. Like it it is a different product. So you get different questions. I mean, you know, you get, you get people that don't understand and just trying to explain to them the concept of it. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff in the archery industry isn't based on outside diameter. You know, it's all inside diameter. Right. So, so when somebody's placing an order, they're looking at, Oh no, this is a, this is, you know, a what, whatever inside diameter. Uh, no, that no, no. Yeah, it is. No, it's really not. You know, it's like just trying, just trying to, you know, talk everybody through it. It's like, hey, you need this size. No, I, I placed the right size. I, uh, well, you know, you, you didn't, but we'll, we'll make <laughs> hey, it right. We'll make it the right. Cust- we'll make it right the customer out. is always right. <laughs> no, that's that's false. So, so with the time that's printed and everything, now I understand why Steve's like, stop telling people that just to have them make the 3.0s because <laughs> we don't have those. And I'm like, well, they're awesome. They're way better. Like, I love those. I like the shape of them. I like everything about them. The 3.0s have have been have been very well. Like, we're still we're still testing. <laughs> we're still testing. But so honestly, what? honestly, Adam, like, I get more requests. Like, hey, hey, uh, hey, I heard about heard about these 3.0s from from Bow Hunting Chronicles. Where are we at with those? You know? <laughs> I, get that. I, I would say probably 15 times I've gotten it so far. Like, Hey man, you know, when are these 3.0s coming out? And I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, we're still in the testing phase. Do you need any testers? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, so yeah, no, honestly, so when, honestly though, Adam, 
like really though, like we, we do appreciate how much you do, you know, you, you guys use it, you back our product. Like we, we really do appreciate being a small business, you know, us three, we all have regular jobs just like you do. And, you know, do this, do this hunting stuff, you know, for fun on the side. And, you know, we really do appreciate the, you know, kind of little partnership we do have. Well, and it's like, I tell people when I, when somebody asks me about them, I, I tell them that specifically because I'm like, even if you don't get them, they're going to know where it came from. And I'm like, I don't get any kickback off of this or anything, but I'm just <laughs> telling you that they know that I'm doing my part over <laughs> yeah. here. Literally getting, <laughs> you are unpaid. Just, just a pet. I know. I even got, I got Frank telling me like, those aren't going to steer a broad hit. There's no way. John's like, those, these things are, they're so loud. Like this, that, and the other thing, like from the beginning. And so like, I'm taking it from all sides over here. But I was going to, the Turkey one, I was going to use that this year, but the bow, we had to use a rest that it wouldn't fly out of. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't your, like I normally shoot a six fletch. But the rest that we had on the on the shop bow, you could only shoot a three fletch, and it just wouldn't fight. clear. It, it and it still won't even clear. I mean, the yeah, it's just uh, doesn't rest, doesn't no. <laughs> it doesn't fit our needs. That rest doesn't. Were, so. were, were you trying to chop some heads, John? Yes. He, yeah. He he Did has. You get a- I know Adam missed, but no, I killed. Well, I killed one with a field point. Damn it! <laughs> but that's a whole another story for the Patreons only. Um, but John hit this turkey in the head with the shaft with a Magnus bullhead yeah. on it. So the 125 grain, the big one, this giant yep. freaking thing. Yep. Because I did everything I could to try to get that. I mean, those, those bull heads, I mean, they're great. Like any of those guillotine heads style heads, you know, they, they're just, they're hard to, to get to fly straight. 20, 20, 25 yards max. Oh yeah. Like 15 yards is like, like our cutoff. Like, and this bird ended up being like 16 yards. And with this rest I was dealing with, like I ended up, I cut all my, my, I have three arrows just for turkey. And they usually have the five inch fusion veins, six fletch. And like out of my, like, so two years ago, I killed a, a good Tom, shot him in the head and like, you know, cut his throat. Didn't lop it off, but I had him shooting great out of that bow. And that was my, actually it was my white target bow and 60 pounds. Well, this bow, 60 pounds, but the rest, like I said, we, we couldn't, I could only use a three fletch cock feather down and it was just terrible. Like I'm doing everything. Like that's why Adam was shooting so bad with the, he ended up just swapping out uh, the sight on it and he brought it to tack. And I'm like, dude, there's no way you're going to shoot that bow. I didn't take into consideration that he like untuned this bow for these <laughs> yeah. things. You know, I swapped out the sight. I shot it at home and I was like, I was exactly what i was when i was a kid like pie played accurate and i shot and i shot like one of the 40 yard courses so i'm like i'm like oh the you know it's total archer challenge big target no it's 40 yards on a freaking like mini chipmunk target or something like (laughs) first first shot on that course is like foot and a half left like through the trees like 
where'd that go? I'm like, way left. So he does a couple of clicks. It was like a foot, three inches left. I'm like, no, dude. You're not. So that's where, like, he's just donating arrows. Finally, I think he stopped after, like. Yeah. Well, we had a, this giant party. Like, it was all a lot of Patreons. And, you know, we were, just, we were just having fun. I mean, there were so many laughs. 15 like, people in the group. Chris <laughs> stepped in human crap. Like somebody crapped right next to one of the cones. Somebody <laughs> pooped on the court. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like you walked around the target, the post, and it was like, Ferd's like, oh, <laughs> he almost stepped in. Yeah. He didn't quite. So, <sighs> so, so by the sixth, eighth target or whatever, I mean, it's like Sparta. There's a hundred guys lined up to shoot. People are passing us and whatnot. I'm shooting through the, like some <laughs> blind shots through the crotch of a tree. So I'm just in the back. I'm not even shooting anymore. I'm not in John. He picked up on it after a couple of shots, but I was just sitting there like just part of the group. I was just part of the camp, you know, but, anyway. but yeah. So I had that. I mean, I had that bow tuned all, you know, crazy. And, so at ten yards, I was. I, what I do is take an old pillow, sweatshirt, put a mark on it, hang it from a tree, and then just start sighting it in. And ten yards, I got to the point where I'd hit it right in the on the money. Go back fifteen, and I actually cut the armpit out, so they they just kept going up and out, up high right. And so I went back, did some more stuff to it, and I got it where I, I'm like, well, it's good enough for ten possibly 15 and i had these there was like five jakes come in and my wife was filming for me which she never that's the first time she's ever gone hunting she doesn't she won't eat deer meat you know like and but turkeys ah, they're ugly out i can come watch (laughs) (laughs) okay and uh, she actually did a really good job filming but i'm like i don't want to shoot a jake you know it was like my first morning and uh they came in, they went back out, they come back. I'm like, they come in again, I'm going to shoot one of them. So they come in as a group, and then I'm like, there was no way I was going to draw back. They were like seven yards. And then are, you, they, are you open at this point, or are you in a blind? We're in a blind. Okay. Yeah, we had a pop-up blind. And uh, so they start kind of filtering back out, and then one of them turned and come back. Well, actually, two turned, and like, they're just fiddle-fucking around, turn. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot the one on the left, the middle left. And so I draw back and I'm like completely calm. I mean, and I'm just holding on and I go to my, I get to my click and I'm just got it right on it. Shot breaks and the arrow goes and skips. I see the green fletch skip off his head. Like, and the arrow goes flying up. And I'm like, what the, how did that? And then I ranged it. It ended up being 16 yards. But in the film, you can see the arrow comes out of my bow at, you know, downward angle and then hits the top of that bird's head and deflects and goes up. I'm like, how did the, one of those blades not hit that, you know, cut his head off? Yeah. That again, if you tried. Right. Wow. Like, <laughs> wow. So... I hit him. I mean, <laughs> he's just using, he got a haircut. So you're using those. Are you aiming right at the right at the base? I'm aiming like right at the middle of his head, like neck. Oh, okay. So if I'm a little high, a little low, yeah, I'm still like the bird. The big bird I shot, he was at full stretch. I'd been at like full draw for was, over a minute. Yeah, over a minute, 
Cause we had three big toms come in. And so I'm just like, and then this was like during COVID, like when COVID first hit. So we're in two different tents. I'm in a different tent filming them. <laughs> I'm in my own tent. And then our callers are spread apart 10 yards behind us, you know? So it's like, Safety first. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the birds come in and they start, they get right on our decoys. And I'm, I'm thinking, Oh shit, which one is Adam on? Like, you know, we can't, <laughs> no yeah. communication. So finally I, I get on the big one on the right. And he ends up like turning around and he starts you know, like full strut and I shot and it went a little, it was like a little bit low and it hit and it knocked the bird up and over, like oh. just flipped him over. And, and like when we're doing it like frame by frame, you can see that arrow hits and it like does an S like, I don't know how it didn't like snap in half, but it, when it hit his neck, it broke the blade off. And then it went through and then like shaved his back and then he ran, he ran around it and we're pretty close to like a resident residential area. So my backup arrow was like a shred head, the dirt nap shred head. And he just, he like kind of goes over about 25 yards and circles over and he's just kind of standing there. Well, I, you know, I couldn't tell what, what he was doing, but I get another arrow in and I get drawn back and I pop out and, and, those green six flats, man, looks like a golf ball. And it's like, you know, tendering. But, and Adam got it all on film. It was pretty cool. But, pretty awesome. but in awesome. the, in the slow motion part of it, or like when we're doing frame by frame, you can just see the, the blood just, just gushing out. Like he was dying. But so he wasn't going to go much longer. No, no. Yeah. No. And it, that, and you know, then the turkey runs off and John goes out there and gets him. And it was a blood trail like you'd see from like a, a deer like sprayed just like yeah, I mean just... like gallons of blood. Like it was it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then I come back and like I'm like in the video, my hands are full of blood. Like it was, it was... Uh, unnecessary. Yeah. A little brutal. But, but yeah, so 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 next year we'll, we I mean we still got those. Still yeah, get... So that's the thing, like my I only ended up fletching up one. So then after all like after I hit that bird. Then I took Adam's flu flu arrows that I built him last year for his longbow, and then I cut those down to about three inches, and then shaped them, and got those to fly out of that rest. That those flew the best, just you know, because they're folding back kind of. And it was just, yeah. but yeah, like it'd be a good rest for like corn stalking or or if you're gonna do some stalking. Yeah, for what we were doing, it wasn't no, wasn't ideal. What it, was it like a full capture rest? Yeah, yeah. it's a V shape. Then you actually cock it, push a pin in, and it stays cocked. Now, the other thing too, the the brace height on that bow is a little short, and so with them long veins, they were actually getting clamped into the rest. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> we're we battling our equipment at that point. <laughs> I was might might have cursed Adam a few times. Yeah, <laughs> it, that that's where I take all the the lashings. Like, hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing well, zingers. Give like, me this shit zinger. for. What? <laughs> gotta talk to these zinger guys. <laughs> I've never said that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, it's it's fun, and I'm glad that we finally got to do this because, like I said, I we 
talked to 150,000 times and like I always text Steve like cuz honestly like with the the companies that we work with and stuff for the Patreons and stuff like literally one day Steve's like hey do you want to give away some zingers I'm like all right and I just keep giving them away and I don't even ask anymore I'm like I'm like yep here's another set here's another set like <laughs> Adam you you just heard earlier, like, I don't have to print them. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, it's easy dude, for him to just tell yeah, people, yeah, we'll, we'll my take guys care can of you. Do it. Like, I will put the little monkeys to work. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Now, we're just trying careful, to get them in, Steve, in as careful. many people's hands that we can. You know, and yeah. it's just, you know, one buddy shoots it, they show their other buddy, and it just kind of spread. And it's cool to go to these shows for, like, you know, we were in Wisconsin and we were across Wisconsin six months later and the same guys come up and they just, you know, they shoot the shit with you and you know, they, they've, they got their buddies to, to shoot our product and use our product. It's just, you know, going back to that camaraderie thing, you know, it's just good to run into the same kind of dudes and, you know, like us running into each other at tack. It's just, it's a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like I say, I really appreciate it. And I like the, the relationship. So, I'm going to go one at a time. What are your guys' bow setups? Like what bows are you shooting? Sights, obviously, zingers. But Let the killer I go shoot. first, Steve. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Nope. <laughs> uh, when, um, what, well, what, what, what bow did Brian set up for you? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's where we should start. Uh, that's 100% correct. Like, he is my bow tech. He is my hunting educator. He, he finds all the deer for me. Literally, I just kind of wake up and I'm like, dude, where am I going today? You know, like what pants should I wear? You know, which underwear? Um, but no. Uh, so I am shooting a Athens Vista 31. Um, Autumn Blaze. That one right there. It is a 29-inch draw. I am shooting the Kanadi M1s with the Z4 6 degree. I was shooting Annihilator 125 grain XL broadheads with a Vapor Trail rest and HHA sight, uh, single pin adjustable. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it on that setup. So real quick, thumb release. Our uh, a lot of our guys in the Patreon group and the Marco Polo have been talking about those annihilators, and you know I, I don't know a whole lot of guys who have have experience with them. So I mean, obviously they'll spine oh. a deer just fine, just like anything else. But um, yeah, <laughs> what are we? It will blow through a spine. <laughs> guarantee that. Um, so I started using them last year. Um, I shot two doe last year and I was mainly testing to see how our pop-off of our zinger would happen with a wrap. So I was aiming farther forward than you should on a deer. Uh, doe came in and I'm like, I'm going to blow right through her shoulders. You know, I wanted, I wanted to pin her, um, ended up squaring her up. She, she was right at 22 yards. First one I shot straight through both shoulders, went through the humerus, um, stuck in the ground on the other side. She, she turned around, spun, ended up circling around. I lost her. 
Brian came out, we tracked her for, she maybe made it 40 yards. Um, blood trail was uh, minimal, but that could have been just been shot placement. You know, you're obviously there's not going to be too much blood too far forward. Um, but we were finding bone frag, like chunks of the shoulder were in the track as we were going. Um, Next doe I shot was, I think that one was like 27 yards and she ran, she ran maybe 30 yards, 35 yards. Um, so like, and obviously the last, um, so, uh, yeah, the, the tracking hasn't been an issue just because the, they haven't, they don't run like, and that's with all the research that I've done with the annihilators. They, they don't run very far after you shoot them. And, you know, Brandon Brody, the annihilator guy, he, uh, he, he talks about the wound sucking channel is what he calls it with, uh, with the broad, it almost like a bullet does when it hits, you know, it just kind of like vacuum around it. And I don't know if that's the shoveling of the broadhead that does that, but, it's they they've they've worked really well for uh, for me um just dealing with a little bit of some inconsistent flight lately with them that's that's okay so some guys some guys have very well flight which today and i think it was my tuning issue um today i shot them again um with my other bow and zero issues and i think it was just my tuning i torque like a unreal like i'm i'm such horrible form um so i had to work around that and i think that's a lot of my issues with fixed heads is just my torquing issue but uh you throw you throw a field point you know a little mechanical head and right as rain but you throw a mechanical or a fixed blade on there and I, I really have to really focus a lot. Okay. But I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not as good a shot as, as everybody else. So <laughs> I just, I like killing though. <laughs> All right, Brandon. <clears throat> I shoot a Athens Vista 31 2022 model. Uh, vapor trail rest. HHA single pin site. Kanadi M1s with the full post. So I'm running 583 grains with my 125 grain Magnus buzz cuts. And I shoot a thumb release as well. I have two, one that I really like, a Stan, but it changes my anchor point. And it's both my, I have another Athens bow of Vista 35 um, that I want to set up for that release because it's a little shorter. So both my bows are set up with my hunting release because it's, as we know, close to hunting season in case something happens to one bow. I don't have to flip flop around. I can use the same stuff, but I would like to set that up because that release is, it's almost like a back tension and I'm too scared to shoot a back tension, but you can activate it. I mean, just pulling on your pinky a little bit and that thing goes off. It's very touchy, but that's my setup. I'm just ready for October 1st. 
you got one tied up or do you, do you have Brian tie one up for you too? Or is that, you just do that? He doesn't Steve? tie mine up. No, he doesn't <laughs> help me out. He just helps Steve. I know I, from Steve's explanation on the broadheads, he's like, yeah, the deer went 40 yards, but I needed Brian to track it for me. And I was like, what? yeah, <laughs> what in the world? You, you just had to have him come out and help drag it. Listen, got it for you, got, Dude. you got a dog to go. You let the dog eat. You know? Hey, Steve, who drug your deer? The deer you just shot. The mule. <laughs> you did what you had to do. I, 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 I help out any way I can. Earn your keep. That's right. Oh, my gosh. So, so my setup is uh, I got a Matthews V331. Um, so it's last year's model. I love it. Um, I, I, I dabbled with the gearhead. Love the gearhead bows as well. Um, but I wanted one bow because I had a, a B30 and a B36. So my B30 was my hunting rig. And had my easy V side on there. And that was my, that was my killing rig. And I had my B36 kind of for a, a, a target bow. Um, but I, I kept this V331 around cause I just, I loved it, but I also, you know, I like the uniqueness of the, the gearhead as well. It's just different. Um, Skip's an awesome, awesome dude as well. Um, cool company, neat bows. Uh, but I settled on the V331 simply because I can use it for both. Um, both my target as well as my hunting rig. So I can swap out sites. It, it depends on the day my setup. It really does. I, I tinker. I, I like trying stuff. Um, I will change tomorrow too. Yeah, it, it will. <laughs> um, and, you know, some of us can relate. And I, I think that's for me, some of the fun of it. And it, it's engaging. And again, the ADD kicks in and I got to try something different. I, I have an idea or a combination. Um, but as of now, <clears throat> what I'm going into this season with is my V331. I got a Hamski Trinity rest, um, HHA single pin movable. Um, I'm shooting the uh, Kanadi K1s, so a little lighter setup. And I'm shooting Sever um, mechanical heads on there. Um, and I mean, those they, they fly like darts. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, testing some out. I got some two-inch uh, cut coming. So we're going to see how they do on the whitetail. Um, but yeah, like tomorrow it could change. Um, I'm really also, um, and it, it zingers to me is a, it's a hobby, it's work, it's fun, but at the same time, I, I love the trad bow. Um, I absolutely love, uh, I, I have a longbow, um, a Java man, um, Elkhart and Java man, um, it is uh, a company here in Michigan, which is kind of neat. Um, but I, it, I'm fighting myself. I really want to take that out there and I probably will. Um, my plan is to to get a couple of those with it this year. And there was a time, oh, probably five, six years ago where I sold all my compound stuff. I wanted to make life simple because I'm a tinker and I was, it was in my head. So I got rid of all my stuff and I, and I trad hunted for a couple of years and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then I started dabbling with the zinger stuff and kind of got back into the compound thing. I love shooting too. So, um, my setup will probably change tomorrow though. I'll tell you that, but it's just, a, it's one of those things. It's a, it, it's engaging and, and we can change. And that's the cool thing. There's no, there's no right arrow set. There's no right or wrong and everybody can be different and whatever works for you works for you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it guys. Where can people, uh, you know, contact Steve, uh, for the, the Z threes or the, the, the 3.0s, um, you know, you have, his, you have he, his number, right? Yeah. He doesn't do anything else. I mean, he doesn't right. gut his own deer. I'm sure he, <laughs> you know, find his own spots, you know, Brian, uh, you know, big brother brought him in on the company, you know, for all this stuff. So, you know, 
I took him out last year. He wanted another doe, and I said, well, I got a spot. Let's go. And I videotaped the hunt, got him another doe, brought him back to the house, took the side-by-side -side out in the field and gutted it. He didn't have to drag it. So <laughs> we're all here for Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you got to play the victim. You know, I got these right where I want them. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So where can people follow along with, uh, you know, what you guys have going on and, you know, what's the best yeah. place if they got questions or whatever. I mean, I can, I can give yeah, them your you number. Get, you, yeah, you for sure. Just out at Miller. Uh, let me put you as a cell phone. No. Uh, yeah. Zingerfletches.com. Um, you guys want to reach out. You can shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah. Any, anything on that, we'll get back to you as quick as we can uh it'll it'll be me getting back to you uh unless it's uh terrible customer service than someone else but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh zingerfletches.com and uh facebook on with uh zingers or zinger slingers we have a page on there too so all right yeah. all right well i appreciate it guys thank you for the time Thanks, Thanks, John. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Adam. Thanks, John. <laughs>